Hello, this is Technology Corner for the week of July 30th, 2006. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in far less than an hour because we leave out the sports, the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. First thing to look at today is Linux. Linux has been trying to gain a foothold on the desktop for years. Uh, Back in 1999, I think it was, Corel embraced Linux and created a desktop, started releasing that along with uh, with WordPerfect and some of their other applications, uh, written, repackaged actually for Linux. Uh, that never caught on, one of Corel's many failures in those days, back in the, the days when they had the, it seemed like the project of the week. But Linux keeps hovering out there in the background. Linux is clearly something that worries Microsoft and worries Microsoft a lot. But so far, it hasn't been able to uh, make much headway. Of course, just recently, Microsoft decided to abandon Windows 98 users and Windows ME users, the Millennium Edition. And I think rightly so. This was something that they had announced they were going to do several years ago, back in 2002, but they decided to wait until now to give people time to make the switch to a later operating system, Windows 2000, for example, or Windows XP. A lot of people have, but something like 50 million people did not. And one of the Linux providers is now trying to make something out of that, trying to create an opening, Xandros provider of a Linux distribution that uh, has some differences, is in the midst of a major marketing effort to get people to give it a try. Now, I've tried Linux over the years, and Linux would be fine as long as I didn't need applications that I actually do need. For example, the Microsoft Office Suite doesn't run on Linux, and there are some applications in the Microsoft Office Suite beyond Word and Excel that I do need. Now, of course, there's OpenOffice for Linux, and that includes a Word-like application and an Excel-like application. Also includes a PowerPoint-like application, but that application really isn't very much like PowerPoint. Adobe applications don't run under Linux either, so... My problem with Linux has been that I can't run the programs I need to run. Will Xandros change that? Well, it might. In fact, Xandros is talking about Windows users upgrading their unsupported Windows systems to Xandros. And the company has tried to capture more accurately than any previous Linux distribution the look and feel of Windows. It begins with the KDE desktop interface, but it adds a number of enhancements with techniques that make it look and feel quite a bit like Windows. The Home Premium Edition includes Codeweaver's Crossover Office, and this is an application that is able to run a lot of Windows applications under Linux. Which applications? Office 2000, Office 2003, Quicken 2004. Now, there's one that a lot of people have avoided going to Linux because there is no Quicken-like application for Linux. iTunes 5.01. Now, interestingly, they seem not to be able to run the latest version of iTunes. And Macromedia Dreamweaver, at least the MX version, not the latest version. Microsoft certainly is right to worry about Linux in the long term. Linux will only get better applications written for Linux will only get better. The price, when compared to any Windows application, 
is still a bargain. In some cases, free. Free is a good price. Or at the very least, uh, a relatively minimal charge for the distribution. And what the minimum charge covers is documentation and some support. If you're interested in taking a look at Xandros, it's xandros.com, X-A-N-D-R-O-S.com, and you can find a link there from the Technology Corner website, which is www.techbiter.com or technology-corner.com. If you are a Thumbs Plus user, time to get an upgrade. Upgrades are coming fast and furious from Sirius. Uh, Sirius, of course, being the company that makes Thumbs Plus, Uh, If you are a Thumbs Plus user, you probably downloaded and installed Service Pack 1 recently, like within the past week or so, and there's already a patch for that. It's build 2222, and uh, patches Thumbs Plus 7 Service Pack 1, resolves problems with renaming files that are in zip folders, resolves a bug that could cause a crash in, in some cases when you're filtering images, and failure to export keywords if you're exporting information from the program to another program. If you haven't yet updated to Service Pack 1 and you have uh, Thumbs Plus 7, you want to do that. And if you still have an earlier version, uh, you can upgrade to the latest version for $10 in the standard version or 20 bucks for the pro version, but you got to do it fast. That offers, in effect, only until July 31st. Links to the Sirius website. By the way, Sirius is spelled with a C. Links to the Sirius website are, of course, on the Technology Corner website. It seems like just yesterday we were talking about personal computing reaching its 20th birthday. Well, now it's 25, so I guess it wasn't really wasn't yesterday. It must have been about five years ago that we talked about that. E-Week magazine this past week featured what they considered the top 25 products from the last 25 years. So I decided to take a look and see what's there. At the top of the list, the IBM PC. Of course, there were personal computers before the IBM PC, but this was the one that really convinced corporate IT departments that these little desktop machines might be able to do something. eWeek's number two product, the Mosaic Web Browser. And if you're able to find and install a version of Mosaic, you take a look at it today, you realize just how primitive it was. Apache. Uh, This is eWeek's number three pick, Apache. The uh, open-source software, it's what runs a lot of the web. Apache got its name, not as a tribute to Native Americans, but because it had so many patches that it became known as a patchy system, shortened to Apache. Intel 386, that's eWeek's number four pick. That's the chip that finally brought 32-bit computing to the desktop and, as they say, paved the way for desktop hardware virtualization in multitasking platforms, and the 386 still casts its shadow on PCs today. And as eWeek notes, that's perhaps a mixed blessing. Xerox has to figure in the list somewhere, and it does. It figures at number 5 for XNS, a networking protocol, Of course, Xerox was responsible through the Palo Alto Research Center for developing a lot of the technology we're using today, but Xerox was rarely able to make any money on it. eWeek says the Linux kernel is number six on its list. The promise of Linux has yet to be met, but it continues to build. eWeek's number seven product, 
VMware X86 virtualization. Virtual machines, the ability to run several computers on a single chip. Not real computers, of course. Virtual machines, each using separate memory space. The Apple Macintosh made it to uh, number eight on the eWeek magazine list. I remember seeing the first Apple Macintosh, and I remember comparing it to DOS machines at the time. What I most vividly remember was how slow it was, but it was a beginning. PGP is eWeek's number nine. Pretty good privacy, giving encryption to everybody. A good thing, a bad thing, or just a thing. Well, certainly terrorists and criminals use this technology to obscure what they're doing, but honest people use it too. It is just a tool. Checking it at number 10, the Compaq Portable. 34 pounds. That was the original portable computer. Portable because it had a handle on it. Can you imagine life without Adobe's portable document format? Well, apparently eWeek can't either. They figure it's the number 11 product in the top 25. Acrobat is the application that allows you to show a document to anyone on any platform. As long as they have the Adobe Reader, they can see exactly what you see on your machine. The first killer application is eWeek's number 12, Lotus 123. The spreadsheet, the application that convinced people to put these machines in offices. Cisco's iOS is number 13. It's a powerful programming platform and allowed network intelligence to move forward. Here's another one at number 14, unquestionably must be on the list, Ashton Tate's DBase 2. Yes, you could actually build a database application on a personal computer. They called it a relational database, although database purists argued with that. It still displaced a lot of mini-computers and mainframes with PCs. The Palm Pilot checks in at number 15 on eWeek's list. To describe the Palm in a single word would be minimalist. Exactly what was needed, nothing more. Well, maybe not exactly what was needed. In a lot of cases, the original Palm had so little memory that once you got 10 or 15 addresses in it, uh, you were out of space. Okay, you could get more than that in it, but it was limited. Linksys is listed in position number 16 with their 802.11 routers. Linksys Wi-Fi, probably the company that did the most to bring Wi-Fi to the home and to the small office. If you're dealing with networking and you have sensitive data, you want it to remain private. Virtual private networking, Shiva, the Shiva Land Rover, number 17 in eWeek's top 25. At number 18, the Phoenix BIOS, basic input-output system. Phoenix BIOS is what runs IBM-compatible PCs. Here's another mention of Linux in the top 25. At number 19, Red Hat Linux. Red Hat has essentially been a proof of concept that this can work, that you can have a company that makes money providing support for a product that's free. Microsoft Visual Basic is eWeek's number 20 item. This is an application that lets anybody write a program in BASIC for Windows. At number 21, eWeek says is the Network General Sniffer. I like their description. Dubbed the Kleenex of network analysis by members of eWeek Labs, the Network General Sniffer defined its genre. Now here's one I wonder about. Lotus Notes, number 22 on the list. Yes, it allows collaboration. Yes, it's groupware. 
but it does some things in such odd ways. You knew this one had to be in there somewhere. At number 23 is Windows 95. It wasn't really a 32-bit application. There was still 16-bit DOS underneath, but Windows 95 was revolutionary. It changed desktop computing forever. Microsoft Office, another that has to be there, and it's in at number 24. Instead of having a separate word processor, a separate spreadsheet, a separate database application, you bought a suite, applications that were all supposed to work together, and most of the time they do. Playing defense at number 25, Nessus, right at the end of eWeek's top 25 products for the past 25 years. Nessus is a high-end defense system for larger groups of computers. Protection and defense are becoming key to the operation. Okay, so that's what's there. What's missing? Itching at the back of my head, WordStar and WordPerfect. I never did like WordStar. I saw WordStar initially after working with a word processor on a mini-computer for a year or so. I was unimpressed by WordStar. But then I saw WordPerfect, and it looked a lot like what I had been using on a mini-computer. Very impressed with WordPerfect. Where's Corel? Windows 95 was on the list. I wonder why Windows XP isn't there. Well, probably because Windows 95 was more of a revolutionary change. XP, for all that it added, was not really revolutionary. It brought combined stability from NT, and it brought usability from Windows 95. But where's iTunes? Shouldn't iTunes be on that list somewhere? Where's OS 2? What about Flight Simulator? Back in the days when IBM-compatible computers were sometimes compatible and sometimes not, the primary test was Flight Simulator. If it could run Flight Simulator, it was IBM-compatible. CDs and DVDs, where are they? They have changed computing remarkably. And what about the original HP LaserJet? Remember $3,500? No memory, no typefaces. Oh, and by the way, the original HP LaserJet printer was licensed by HP, invented by Xerox at the Palo Alto Research Center. Visual Basic's on the list. Why not just plain old basic? Firefox and Netscape. Okay, the Mozilla browser was mentioned, and it was the browser that started everything. But what about Firefox? What about Netscape? And where's Apple's OS X? The original Mac is on the list, but not OS X. Atari, Commodore, all the other pre-IBM personal computers. What are they, chopped liver? What about Borland's Turbo Pascal? This is an application that perhaps as much as Visual Basic and prior to Visual Basic brought programming to the masses. What about peer-to-peer networking and file-sharing applications? What about electric pencil? Will anyone admit to using electric pencil? Does anyone know what electric pencil is? Electric pencil was a word processor that predated the IBM PC. A version was eventually released for the IBM, and as far as I can tell, it was purchased by approximately three people worldwide. What else should be on the list and isn't? Well, what about porn, gambling, and all the other vices? Where's spam? What about AltaVista and Google? Where are MySpace, YouTube, and all those other image and video sharing services? Well, you can play the game, too. Let me know. What do you think? What's missing? What's on eWeek's list that you might omit? What's on your list that eWeek didn't get to? If you want to see the full eWeek article, there is a link from the Technology Corner website, www.techbiter.com. 
Something kind of fun on the website this week, and we're going to do it just with the website because I can't do justice to this in words. But if you're feeling big and important, take a trip over to the website and take a look at a series of five images there. I wish I could tell you who created the images. I don't know. If you know, let me know. You will view these images, and afterward you will probably feel rather small. And that brings us to Nerdly News. If you are a user of Firefox, you are going to want to get the latest update. It's a security update. Updates Firefox to 1.5.0.5. Fixes several critical problems, the most serious of which would allow an attacker to run rogue code on Windows, of course, on Linux, oh, and by the way, on Macs running OS X. Now, the problem sometimes with Firefox updates is that once the update is installed, several of my extensions stop working. And indeed, that happened this time around. I have a document object model inspector. The talkback function, which is actually uh, a, a function from Mozilla, Adblock Plus, one that I simply cannot do without, Colorzilla, the uh, UI tweaker, an application that does uh, downloads from an entire page, and a developer tool called JSU. All of those stopped working after the update. Now, interestingly, most, if not all of those, work on my machine at the office. They don't work at home. So there's some incompatibility, even though I'm running the same version of Firefox both places. I was able to get Adblock Plus reinstalled and a couple of the other applications reinstalled, but it was only through some tinkering with a configuration file. You shouldn't have to do that. So Firefox is still my favorite browser, but there is a little asterisk out there, and I am anxiously awaiting the final release version of Internet Explorer 7. This was a week I leaned back and took a look at some of the spams that have been coming in. Normally I just dump spam without bothering to even look at it, but I decided this week to take a look just to see what's coming, and it's the same old stuff. I was offered a number of degrees from prestigious, non-accredited universities. I'm still trying to figure out how a university can be both prestigious and non-accredited. If you look up accredited in the dictionary, you will find that it is officially recognized as meeting the essential requirements as of academic excellence in accredited schools. So if it's a non-accredited school, what does that say? I got one from a spammer who told me to don't loose out. Hello, spammer. Loose with two O's. That means free or released from fastening or attachment, like a loose end. Lose. That's the word you were looking for, loser. Lose. To come to be without something in one's possession or care through accident, theft, etc., so that there is little prospect of recovery. Oh, and by the way, when you use don't, uh, it does want an apostrophe in there. It's a contraction. Then I started looking at some of the spammers' names. I heard from Sherry Jimenez, uh, but the spam came from what claimed to be a Russian address. I heard from Wheelchair S. Puritanism. Uh, Now, he was using an address of a company that makes golf shoes. I forget what he was trying to sell me. Dana Romano offered me a home loan. Uh, However, her address, her email address, uh, appeared to be in Russia, and I don't think I deal with any banks in Russia. 
Guida Worcester had an Emprise bank address, so I was expecting, oh, maybe a home loan deal or some sort of mortgage deal. No, she was trying to sell Ambien, Valium, Cialis, and Viagra. And then I heard from a Miss Hard. She was proposing a home loan, uh, but she seemed not to be writing from a bank. Spammers do this work because it's easy. Because they don't need much response to make a profit. And because sending spam is essentially free. Because they steal all of the services. You gotta love them. Well, thanks for listening. This has been Technology Corner. Last week in July, the week of July 30th, 2006. I'm Bill Blinn. Check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And you can also send email from there.